Hey, good morning. Welcome to Westbridge Church. My name is Jeremiah. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's awesome to have you with us. Hello to those of you in our parent viewing areas. Uh, great option if you have small children you prefer to keep with you. And hello to everybody on our online campus and microsite. Awesome to have you tuning in as well. And uh, before we jump into the talk this morning, uh, there's an announcement that I want to make, a little bit of a shift that we've got taking place in our staff. So uh, Eli, who was just up here, one of our pastors here, and uh, for the last uh, several years has been uh, over seen groups. And uh, as we've been kind of taking a look at uh, who Eli is as a person and his gift mix and where groups is going, uh, and as we've grown as a church, we've realized we're doing a lot more uh, weddings, funerals, pastoral care. Uh, you've seen Eli speaking several times. And so uh, we're really moving Eli into a new role. He's not leaving our team or leaving our staff, but we're shifting him. Uh, one of the phrases that we tend to use that we've borrowed this language is uh, we want to make sure that we have the right people in the right seats on the bus. And uh, so we're uh, kind of moving Eli's seat on the bus and shifting him over. His new role is going to be uh, associate pastor. And that means that he's going to really oversee pastoral care, uh, staff health, uh, things like um, uh, weddings and funerals and uh, doing some speaking here and just a lot of associate pastor type things. And that means that uh, in the interim, uh, we're going to be looking for someone to oversee groups. And uh, this is a, a shift for us, but we knew uh, based on who Eli is and everything that we wanted to see him do and where we're going with groups, we wanted to free him up to do that. So if you see him around, uh, that's a really cool shift that we're making with him. And then uh, we're going to be looking in the, in the next few months here uh, to fill a role of uh, small groups director. So uh, something to keep in mind in the, in the interim, I'll kind of just be a point person on that during this next season. But uh, that's kind of what's going on. And we just wanted to give you the heads up on that. So if for some reason you're like, I'm leading a group and I'm getting stuff from Jeremiah and not from Eli, what's going on? Uh, that's what's going on. And uh, we're excited about uh, the potential for that as we move into 2022. Now, uh, we're jumping into this talk. Uh, last week, we began this series called Vital Signs. And Vital Signs is where we're asking the question, how do you know how you're doing? And as you move into a new year, I think it's really healthy to ask this question, how do I know that I'm healthy? And when you go to the doctor, you end up being checked in and, and you get actual feedback about how you're doing. And uh, you may be doing better or worse than you think you're doing, but they have a basic sort of baseline for checking you. And they call it your vital signs, right? Your, your temperature, your pulse, your breathing, and your blood pressure. And so last weekend, we looked at some spiritual vital signs and we said, what are the things that you can just check this baseline and to know, okay, I'm on the right track in my spiritual life, in my relationship with God. And this weekend, we're going to look at relational vital signs and how, our health, uh, how is our health when it comes to our relational lives. Now, uh, I'm going to say this right up front. Nothing today, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but it's just the truth. Nothing today is going to wow you. Like, you're not going to walk out here and be like, that's brand new information. I've never heard that before. Wow. That was, that was incredible. What, what an insight. What this is today is a reminder Today is all about reminders. It's about uh, getting back to the fundamentals. And here's why. When you look at uh, professional tennis players, when you look at uh, professional basketball players, professional hockey players, they all, professional athletes, still have coaches. And the reason that they do that is because they're constantly being reminded not because they don't have the talent or the skill level to play that sport. In fact, oftentimes the coaches don't have the same level of talent or skill, but they need someone there to help remind them and oftentimes to help them continue to practice the fundamentals because it's the fundamentals that make them so good when it comes to game time. 
And so that's what this is. Today is we're going to get back to the fundamentals of relational health. And so a quick show of hands, how many of you have ever had a problem with another person? Okay, yeah. Clipping at about 100%, right? If you're watching online, put your favorite emoji in the chat uh, if you've ever had a problem with another person. Now, I recognize that person might be sitting next to you, but they don't know that it's them that you're thinking of. That's okay. And uh, all of us come from different backgrounds and personalities. Uh, We have different influences. We have different histories. All of us have uh, different parts of us. There's one thing that we all hold in common, though. All of us want better relationships. I don't think there's anybody who would say, I don't, I don't really want to improve my relationships. I think all of us want to have good relationships with our family members. We want to have good relationships uh, with our friends. We want to have good relationships with our neighbors, uh, with our coworkers. We, we don't want unhealthy relationships. We want to continually improve our relationships. Everybody wants better relationships because relationships are the stuff of life that bring us the greatest amount of joy. That's what life is all about. It is the people in our lives. In fact, research has actually shown this time and time again. What we're finding in psychological research is that uh, happiness over time is not the result of wealth or uh, what you've accumulated or uh, success or achievement or popularity. That happiness over time comes from the presence of deep and meaningful connections in relationships. That that's what life is all about. And your relationships, the people in your life, will impact your life more than anything else. And we know this is true because you've never attended a funeral where they talked about what an incredible business person that person was. You've never attended a funeral where all they talked about was how much money they made or how many hours they worked or, or how much stock they owned or how successful they were. You've never heard that. In fact, what you talk about at the end of someone's life is what kind of a person they were. You talk about the impact that their life made. You talk about the influence that they had in the lives of others. You talk about the joy that they brought into other people's lives. Why is that? It's because that is what life is all about, how they served others, how they loved others, how they treated others. And this is not a secular idea. This is a deeply biblical, this is a distinctly God idea. Here it is. We are created for authentic relationships. This is just a fact. It's... It's something that we can't escape. The scriptures point to this idea that you and I were created in the image of God and God himself exists in community. And we read this in Genesis chapter one. God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And so God created human beings in his own image. And we've talked about this several times before that there's pronouns that are written here is God says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us because God himself exists in community. And we we see this uh, even when Jesus is um, present on the earth and he's being baptized and uh, the the writers and the eyewitnesses describe for us this incredible account where Jesus comes up out of the water being baptized by John the Baptist and and the, the voice of God the Father speaks and the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove. And again, you see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this triune God who exists in community and we're told we are created in God's image. And so uh, we cannot escape this idea that we long for, we desire, we are created for authentic community. We, we were created to experience that community, not only with God, but also with one another, that we would enter into this same experience that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit share. 
Now, regardless of whether or not you see yourself as an introvert or an extrovert, uh, part of what it means to be human is just this desire to connect in relationships. And look at all of the things that we've created to try to do that. All the social media that we have, right? We've got Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and all kinds of crazy things to help us try to connect with each other. And how many of you are not on any form of social media at all? Okay, anybody? Okay, okay, a couple people. Yeah, I love when Amish people visit. That's awesome. It's great to have you. Uh, you're, you're actually probably super healthy in relationships. This topic of relational uh, health is a challenging topic because it's difficult to measure. It's fluid and it's intangible. And even though we're all created for relational connection, at the same time, uh, we've been created with sort of different personalities and we've got different levels of connection to be happy and fulfilled. And so some people, uh, they're like, man, I've got my two best friends and that's all I need and I feel great. And then other people are like, I need 100 friends. I need to know everybody. And uh, it, reminds me of, uh, it reminds me of the Lego pieces, the, the little Lego connectors, right? And uh, as a kid, I used to play with Legos all the time. And now they're all specialized. But when I was growing up, they were just bricks, right? That's the good stuff, right? And that's the stuff that you step on as a parent in the middle of the night and almost die. But the bricks came with certain amounts of connectors, and uh, some of them were like, I'd be digging through my pile of Legos and there'd be like a two connector. Oh, I need that two connector. And some of them were like a six uh, brick connector. And then uh, some of them are like an eight brick connector. And they've got different uh, numbers of connectors on them. And, and that, to me, is kind of like how people are. Some people are that two, two connector. And they're like, you know what? I got two friends and I feel great. Uh, I'm like the base at the bottom with like 100 connectors on it. And that, some of you are that. You're like, man, I, I could not have enough friends. But we're all wired differently. And, and when you look at the life of Jesus, even Jesus didn't have a ton of close friends, but he had a lot of acquaintances. Everywhere he went, he seemed to draw a crowd. And yet we learn from the eyewitness accounts that he primarily spent his time with 12 guys. And even within that group, he seems to have gotten very close to three of those guys, Peter, James, and John. As a matter of fact, um, we were reading uh, the book of John with our kids recently, and we were kind of laughing because in John's account of the life of Jesus, John refers to himself as the one Jesus loves, which is a hilarious reference to make about yourself. Like, yeah, me and Jesus, we were besties. Yeah, he's, I'm, I'm kind of his favorite. You know, we, got, we share like two halves of a heart necklace. It's cool. Regardless of how many connectors, though, are hardwired into your personality, we all need authentic relationships. We can't escape it. It's, it's hardwired into who we are. And here's another truth about relationships before we jump into relational vital signs. Relationships affect the direction of your life. Not only do we need relationships, but the ones we choose have an impact, a profound impact on where our life actually heads. It doesn't matter what you own, what events you participate in, or what trips you go on, or what parties you attend. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. See, the truth is, you know, maybe this is blasphemy to some of you, but uh, Anchorman and Napoleon Dynamite and The Princess Bride aren't really that great of movies. They're just fun to quote with friends after. That's what makes them great, right? That's what makes them cult classics. Studies show that you tend to become the average of the five people who you spend the most time with. A great question to ask yourself is, would I be okay if my life looked like their lives? And if you wouldn't be satisfied with that, you might want to consider who you're allowing to influence you at the greatest level. 
And that shouldn't surprise us. The wisest man who ever lived wrote this, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. In fact, this is a verse that we try to really talk about with teenagers here at Westbridge is that, look, you don't even have to be the one making foolish decisions, but if you surround yourself with people who are making foolish decisions, you can get caught in the crossfire. You can get hit with the shrapnel of somebody else's bad decisions because relationships affect the direction of your life. And the Apostle Paul confirms this hundreds of years later. He writes this, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. There is something about who we are allowing to influence us that actually has a huge impact on the direction that we are setting in our lives. As a matter of fact, if I asked you, hey, why do you even show up to Westbridge? I I can guess that most of you would probably say, well, the the teaching's amazing and the pastor's pretty easy on the eyes. (laughs) My prayer is that you would actually say, you know what? I have found community. I've found relationship. I've found some people that I can be on mission with, and that's impacting the direction of my life. That's my prayer. So with that in mind, here are relational vital signs, some areas to check just your relational health as we head into 2022. And the first one is this. Do I take an interest in others? Do I take an interest in others? This almost seems too simple to mention, but we are naturally so selfish as human beings that it's worth talking about. It can be difficult to remember. This is a powerful relational dynamic is when we're interested in someone other than ourselves. Uh, There's a uh, really famous theologian uh, named Brian Regan. He's actually a stand-up comedian. And uh, he actually talks about uh, something called the me monster. And I love when he talks about this. He says the me monster is when somebody is kind of listening to you talk, but they're only listening to you talk because they're anticipating when they can sort of jump in with their own story. And he's like, he's like, you, 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 me. He's like, and they're just waiting on the edge of every word just because they got their own story that they want to jump in with. And I love that he refers to this as your me monster. And I can tell you, one of the best ways to stagnate your relational health, one of the best ways to make sure that people aren't uh, uh, interested in hanging out with you is to really just let your me monster run wild. Just constantly talk about yourself. And uh, think about when you take a group photo. What's the first thing you do? What's the first thing you check in a group photo? You look at yourself. This is just human nature. And if you look good, then that's a good photo. And it doesn't matter if the buddy next to you is cross-eyed and the other person's yawning, right? You're like, that's a good photo. That's just what's natural for us. And so if we're going to grow and change and reflect Jesus, then we have to allow ourselves to uh, not simply be dictated by what comes naturally. In fact, in Proverbs, it says this, people who don't get along with others are interested only in themselves. It's such simple wisdom. Self-absorbed people tend to be lonely people. Have you ever been around someone and all they talk about is themselves? Ugh. It's just, it's the worst. And you avoid those people. And if all you want to talk about is your problems, your dreams, your issues, your life, your interests, then you're not going to have very close and meaningful friendships. And I know that sounds so simplistic, but it's, it's often the, the fact that we miss deep truths in simple things. A very simple thing is to simply take an interest in others. And sometimes showing interest in others is just as simple as listening. It's amazing. You don't have to be profound to influence people. You just need to shut up once in a while. 
And it's amazing what will happen. People will automatically be drawn to you. Oh, man, they are so nice. They are such a great conversationalist. And you didn't even say a thing. It's just that you learned to listen. The Apostle Paul would write this to people who are following Jesus in Philippi in the first century. He says, in your relationships with each other, here's what I want you to do. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others, too. As simple as it is, we need to be reminded to fight selfishness and take an interest in other people. And at a deep spiritual level, when you think about this, this is exactly what Jesus did for us. This is exactly how Jesus moved in our direction. He took an interest in us first. It wasn't about sharing his story as much as it was becoming a part of our story. And that is where authentic and deepening relationships begin. So... The first question when it comes to relational health is, am I taking an interest in others? Secondly, do I make myself available? Do I make myself available? Now, this is a very different question than, am I available? Okay? The question is, do I make myself available? Because the truth is, you make yourself available for the things you want to be available for. You got to show up. Life is a series of ups and downs, victories and defeats, good times and hard times. And being a friend really does mean I'm willing to show up. I'm willing to be there and respond when a friend calls on me. And this is probably one of the greatest characteristics of a true friend that can be found uh, and that they can be counted on. Uh, in Proverbs 17, King Solomon writes this, A friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. In other words, the, the inference here is that a friend actually becomes family when the proverbial fertilizer hits the fan. That, that a friend shows up in the hard times, in the difficult times. I've, I've spent some time uh, working out in my life. I mean, you can see that. That's pretty obvious. And uh, when I first joined a gym several years ago, uh, it was overwhelming. I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And I got to the gym, and uh, you look at all the machines, and you don't even know where to start. So typical dude behavior, I'm like, bench press. And I go over there, and I put on way too much weight, and I was like, you know, I would have used smaller weights, but there were people around. And uh, so I'm like, I got this, right? And I start bench pressing. And then, like, third one in, it's like, oh, man, this is so much heavier than I thought it was going to be. And so I, I really wanted to, like, you know, I'm pumping some weights, and it's a little overwhelming, and uh, I thought, you know what? I wanted to shout out, like, hey, bro, can you spot me? But I didn't think it would have come out like that. And so uh, fortunately, there was, like, a 10-year-old boy that saw me and came over and spotted me. It was great. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was a girl. <laughs> and <laughs> truth is, in life, everybody needs spotters. It's just the reality. In life from time to time, we all need some spotters. We all need some people who, who see what's going on and go, that looks a little too heavy for you. And sometimes it's big things that weigh you down, but oftentimes it's just little things. It's, it's the little weights of everyday life that tend to add up, and we all need some help. And sometimes without some help, we can get exhausted and crushed under the weight of it all. I think back to uh, not that long ago for us, just this last summer. Many of you are aware that my, our 15-year-old daughter was in a very serious car accident. And we're, we're so grateful that she survived and that she's doing well. But during that season, so many people from our church family reached out to us, gave us cards, told us they were praying for us, uh, just showed up. 
Just you, you showed up with your thoughts and your prayers. You showed up with the deepest, most fattening lasagna I've ever seen in my life. You, you showed up with, you showed up with uh, just uh, messages and uh, cards and gift cards. and I mean, just you showed up. And nobody asked you to do that. It's just relationships get built over time. And you make yourself available, and friends make themselves available. And it's, it's easy to be a friend when things are going good. And that's not a negative thing. Enjoy those times. Celebrate those times. It, it, be together in the good times. But life is going to come at you. And at some point, every single one of us will face difficulty. And here's the truth. You can't retroactively build community. You can't retroactively cram community. See, the truth is you've got to dig your well before you're thirsty. And by the, by the time you need friends, you don't have time to go back and invest in community. So you've got to make yourself available. It's a discipline. It's part of the fundamentals. It's part of the coaching that we're getting today to say, look, make yourself available. Intentionally cultivate community. In Proverbs 27, it says, never abandon a friend. Then in your time of need, you don't have to ask your relatives for assistance. It's better to go to a neighbor than to a relative who lives far away. Your family might be there for you, but why not cultivate community with people who are in your immediate vicinity? And who is in your corner when you're cornered? Who can you count on and who can count on you to be in their corner, to stand with them? Community and healthy relationships are not just about proximity. They are about showing up for each other. So here's the question. Are you making yourself available? In other words, are you cultivating healthy community? Because healthy community is not simply something that is discovered. And I think sometimes that's the myth that we buy into. It's like, okay, I'm going to join a small group and I'm going to find my bestie. It's going to be great. We have so much in common. It's going to be awesome. But the truth is healthy community in, in the body of Christ is not something that is just simply discovered. It's not something that you stumble into. It's something that is cultivated. It's something that is forged. As you make yourself available, it takes effort. It takes work. It takes time. In fact, when we give time to each other, that's why we do groups. We're saying, I'm going to give a chunk of time to a group of people. And when we give time to somebody, that's something that is truly a valuable gift because uh, when you give money, when you give other things, you can always make more money. You can't make more time. And so when you're giving time of yourself, you're, you're giving one of the most valuable commodities that you have. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote so much about how to impact each other. In his letter to followers of Jesus in Ephesus, he says this, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Why, why, why would Paul even say that? Make every effort. Be patient with each other, right? Like, make allowance for each other's faults. He doesn't say, hey, find the people who you naturally click with and share life with them. He says, no, no, no. We already have one thing in common, God's spirit, God's grace. We're one body in Christ. We're all different parts of the body, but we're one in Christ, God's spirit in our lives. So he says, I want you to maintain community around that, maintain connection around that. See, Jesus' community doesn't mean you get to be with people who are easy to be with. Jesus' community simply means that you get to be with people who have been forgiven by Jesus just as you have. And then together, we're helping each other learn to love the way that Jesus loved. That's why we do groups. 
so that you can say, I'm going to intentionally put myself in an environment. I'm going to make myself available. I'm going to cultivate community. I'm going to forge deep connections with people who have been forgiven the way that I've been forgiven. And then we're going to help each other become more and more like Jesus. Now, uh, as has been mentioned several times today, this is not a secret, group sign-ups start today. So you can sign up for a group today. Uh, just, uh, it's just coincidental. It's amazing how that worked out. Number three, am I committed to growth? Am I committed to growth? Friendships have the potential to stagnate or even turn toxic if both parties are not committed to the growth and well-being of one another. This isn't just about enjoying time together. It's actually about spurring each other on, about encouraging each other. That word encourage means to instill courage in someone else. And so it's about saying like, hey, I'm going to help you and you're going to help me. And we're going to push and pull and prod and, and encourage each other as we continue to move forward to become more like Jesus. So are the relationships that you're closest to in your life interested in your growth, interested in your development, interested in your personal and spiritual growth? And are you interested in theirs? A true friend is someone who wants to see you at your best, who's willing to challenge you to be all that God created you to be because they love you. Again, in Proverbs, I love this verse. Just as iron sharpens iron, friends sharpen the minds of each other. True friends are willing to have difficult conversations because they care so deeply about the long-term health of the other. And it's not always painless, but it can be very healthy. I have friends in my life that I've had in my life for more than 20 years. And they know that they can say things to me that I need to hear, things that are in my blind spot, things that I wouldn't see, things that I, you know, would be hard to hear. But because of the relationship that has been cultivated, they can speak to me and say, look, what you're doing is not healthy for you. What you're doing isn't wise. What you're doing isn't going to lead you to the place that you want. And it's motivated by they want what's best for me. It's what we do as parents with our kids. Sometimes we have difficult conversations because we want what's best for them. And the question when it comes to relational health is, am I committed to their growth? Friends are a part of our ongoing journey of faith. So do your friends challenge you to grow? Do they challenge you to move forward and develop and become everything God's created you to be? Are they pushing you and pulling you along that path? I love what uh, Paul writes to Timothy. Timothy was a young man. Paul had started a church in Ephesus, and, and then he had uh, kind of commissioned Timothy to be this pastor of this church in Ephesus that he had started. And then he's writing back to him this letter, and he, he says this, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. In other words, if you want to live life in a certain way, you've got to lean into certain relationships. He says, Timothy, if you want to be able to pursue righteousness and flee from youthful lusts, then lean into those who are doing that already. Lean into those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Move in that direction with those people. And there are times in my life where other people partner with God's Spirit to challenge me and help me grow. And there are times in my life where I partner with God's Spirit to challenge others and help them grow. A great sign of relational health is that you are committed to one another's growth. Now, here's the fourth one. Am I quick to forgive? Am I quick to forgive? This is really a, a challenging question. And again, this isn't like, wow, I've never heard this before, but it's something that we've got to constantly be reminded of. So let me ask you this question. Is there a relationship in your life that's broken and needs restoration? Is there a relationship in your life that's broken and needs healing? 
And I'm not asking whose fault it was. I'm not asking, uh, you know, for you to become best friends with them. I'm asking, is there a relationship in your life that needs to be restored? Because words were said and things were done and people were hurt. In Romans, the Apostle Paul writes this, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. That's difficult because we're all broken people. We've all got some brokenness. We've all got some dysfunction that we bring with us. And so it's, it's difficult because we carry that with us into relationships. Our pride gets in the way. Our anger gets in the way. Our hurt gets in the way. And often we feel the need to defend our rights. Well, man, if you knew my story, you, you wouldn't forgive either. I mean, if you knew what they said, if you knew what they did, you wouldn't forgive either. And I also recognize, Paul says, to do all that you can to live at peace with others, realizing that ultimately it takes both parties for total healing. But listen to what Paul writes to followers of Jesus in Ephesus. He says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Some of us, if we were to ask and check this vital sign, am I quick to forgive? You'd realize, you know what, I, I think I have some unhealth when I check that vital sign, I don't think I'm healthy in my relationships fully because there's some people that I just refuse to forgive. And here's what happens. This is just sort of a, a, a phenomenon of what it means to be human. It's like you got hurt when you were 10 years old and you carried that into your adolescence. You didn't deal with it and you carried that with you. And you got hurt as a teenager and you carried that into your college life, your young adult life. You got hurt when you were in your early 20s and you carried that into your marriage. You got hurt when you were in your late 20s and you carried that into the next season of life and into your next career. You carried that into your 40s. And what happens is you actually lose sight of the original source of your hurt. And now it is the people in this season of life who are actually suffering, who are actually experiencing the trauma of your hurt, your bitterness, your anger that's gone undealt with. And you are sort of simmering beneath the surface. You're kind of a ticking time bomb and you go off at people, you lash out at people, but they're not really the source of your original hurt because you just never dealt with it. And Paul says, you're setting up camp for the accuser, for the deceiver to come in and write different stories about different people in your minds because you lost sight of the original source of your hurt. And now in this season of life, you have this cancer of bitterness growing beneath the surface. And were you to just check your vital signs and say, man, am I quick to forgive? keeps beeping at you because you realize this is costing me. This, this bitterness, this sort of anger or this hurt that I haven't dealt with is actually costing me relationally with the people in my life in this season of life. I love what the Apostle Paul writes. In Colossians chapter 3, he's writing to a group of people. It says, make allowance for each other's fault and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. In other words, the basis for you forgiving other people is not, is not because they apologized. It's not because they felt remorse. It's not because they came and said they were sorry. It's not because, you know, okay, I realized they were 49% wrong and I was 51% wrong. And it's not any of that. He says, God forgave you first. When God was 100% right and you were 100% wrong, God forgave you. And if God will forgive you, then you forgive others. That's how this works. If you are a follower of Jesus, then you forfeit your right to withhold forgiveness from other people at the cross of Jesus. 
We are called to forgive because God has forgiven us. And you must let go of bitterness and forgive. And so, some great questions to think about as we move into 2022, right? Am I, do I take an interest in others? Am I willing to make myself available? Am I willing to cultivate community in my life? Am I willing to do that? That's such an important part of it. Am I committed to growth in other people's lives? And finally, am I quick to forgive? And ultimately, I think a great metric that has just been really helpful for me is this. Do those who know me best love and respect me? At the end of my life, when you look at the life of Jesus, most, most who knew him the best loved him and respected him the most. The, the, the 12 people who knew him best, 10 of them ended up dying for the revolution that he started. Now think about that. That's incredible. It's easy to create a persona that is loved by the masses from afar. It, it, it's very easy for someone who does what I do to, be, uh, to fall into the temptation of like, man, uh, I, I, just, I just want the, the church at large to love me and, ha, you know, and, and to think that, oh man, you're doing a great job as a pastor. But at the end of the day, what matters the most is the people in my closest circle, my wife, my kids. I, I don't want to lead a church where the church at large goes, man, you're a great pastor. And my kids go, yeah, but you weren't a great dad. And my wife goes, yeah, you weren't a great husband because you were, you, were, you were always concerned about what everybody else thought about you, but we kind of got second best. A great metric of how you're doing relationally is, man, are, are you living it consistently with the people who know you best? Do the people who know you best love and respect you? And that's one of the truest signs of relational health. And when I get to the end of my life, my greatest goal is not that large groups of people will think I was a great leader. My greatest goal is that the people I interact with most often on a daily basis will see the truest reflection of Jesus in the way that I live my life. That is a metric of relational health. And even if you're not a follower of Jesus, whether you're watching online, you're checking this out for the first time, even if you'd say, I'm not even sure where I stand with Jesus, these are great things that you can put into your life that will just help your relationships no matter what. I want you to know these very ideas exist because of Jesus. They, they, they exist because of who Jesus is. These are, these are very distinctly Jesus ideas. And so I want to invite you to follow him because he created you and he loves you. And following him and his way of living life is what you were created for. You were created to exist in loving community with God and with others. And here's what we know from just our own experiences. And the scriptures tell us the same thing is that every one of us at some point in our lives experienced brokenness in our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. And throughout human history, all of the violence in the world, all of the anger in the world, all of the hurt in the world, all of the wars in the world, all of the trauma in the world, it's been human beings trying to figure out how do we fix what has been broken. And so at the right time in human history, God sent Jesus into this world to enter into our story, to take an interest in us, and to show us how much he loves us. And Jesus over and over again said, you want to know what God's like? Look at me. Look at what I teach. Look at how I live. And the people who knew him best loved and respected him the most. And the ultimate expression of love, he allowed himself to be put to death. His body was laid in a tomb. And according to multiple eyewitness accounts, he rose from the dead. And that means death is not the end. There's more to this life than this life. And you and I have been invited back into what we were originally created for. Authentic, loving community 
And yes, it's messy because we're imperfect and we're broken and we're dysfunctional, but it's authentic community with God and with one another. And we forge that and we cultivate that as we continue to follow Jesus. And if you've never said yes to that invitation, that's the invitation that is extended to every single one of us. And you don't have to behave your way into it or earn your way into it. You can simply say yes as we close with this prayer. God, please forgive my sins and forgive me for those times where I've walked away from you. And I thank you that you never walked away from me. And I recognize that I've experienced brokenness between myself and you and myself and others. So I pray, heal that brokenness as I begin to follow you. Make me your son, make me your daughter. And, and help me to put my trust in you and help me to follow you as best as I know how from this moment on. And God, I pray for every single one of us that we would sort of do a self-assessment on where we stand relationally in our relational health, that you would help us to be people who take an interest in others, who, who make ourselves available, who forge and cultivate community because it's what we were created for. May we be quick to forgive. May we help each other grow. And in doing that, may we continually be a reflection of the body of Christ to one another, to our community and the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.